O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. That is from Psalm 139, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. So my guest today feels really passionate about the way Scripture helps us to know who we are and how to find our place in the world and in God's family. Christine Kelly Baglow has a master's in pastoral ministry. She has worked in church ministry for many years, and she's a contributor to the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible. Also, I think, a contributor to the Ave Prayer Book for Catholic Mothers. Is that right, Christine? That's right. Yeah, welcome. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, and thank you for including me in these projects. Oh, you are welcome. I wonder if to start out, you could just Tell us a little bit about yourself. I was born and raised right outside of the city of New Orleans. Um, So I'm a a girl from the Deep South and got involved in ministry. Gosh, I I mean, I think the, the Lord really started touching my heart in my early college years, but really um, called me into ministry around 1990. Mm. And so I've been doing one thing or another for the church, in the church, as a volunteer, on staffs since that time. Um, and, you know, it's really essentially who I am. I mean, it's, the, it's like my superpower. I know. <laughs> That I know, that I know, that I know that that the the great mission of the church and the great commission is something that I'm called to, and um, you know, no matter how tough things can be or how difficult, the project is not my own, and um, and I'm just honored and blessed to be a part of God's work to do His work in any little way. Um, so I've pretty much done a lot of a lot of crazy stuff I never thought I would do. My vocation is as a mother and a wife, and uh, so I have four children and, of course, one wonderful husband and one grandson. And it's so crazy things you never thought you'd do. What's one of those? Probably the biggest is the first thing that the Lord has called me to and you know, the very first call that I ever had and that I've done the most consistently, which is ministry to youth. Mm. And that is really because I... I was never popular. I was never part of the in crowd. Um, I had a really bumpy time socially as a child and then as a teenager even. And so when the Lord called me to ministry with teens, I mean, I, I remember just praying to him like, are you joking? <laughs> like you, you can't be serious. Um, and yet, And yet he was. And um, and he fills up your heart with what what he wants you to do. Well, well, think of how many teenagers feel exactly the way you did. <laughs> right. You know, so if you're going to be ministering to teens, maybe that's something that the Lord wanted you to draw on. Yeah, yeah. So that's beautiful. So, what shape does that ministry take today? So, I am really honestly in my dream job at this point. It's the reason that I got the 
master's in pastoral leadership. And so I am the director of pastoral ministry at St. Joseph High School in South Bend, Indiana. And uh, so, so basically I'm the campus minister, but I'm, you know, a little bit event planner, a little bit counselor, a little bit pastoral minister, a little bit of all the things and, you know, formator and teacher, all the things rolled into one. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm sure they're lucky to have you too. Thank you. I'm really blessed. I love it. It's a, it's a really great place to be. Go back a little bit and describe to me uh, your interest in scripture. How did that begin? Uh, so at the ripe old age of 19, I got on an airplane and went to live in a little village in Bosnia, Herzegovina, called Medjugorje, and ended up uh, staying there for about four months and having a really intensive experience of conversion, of hmm you know, finding myself in the heart of the church. And of course, most people will recognize the name Medjugorje as the place where Our Lady is reported to have been appearing for many, many years. For me, as much as it was about that deepening of relationship with Mary, it was a deepening of my relationship with the church. And I felt like I was exposed to and learned things about the church and about Christ Um in a way that I'd never experienced it before. And so much of that came from the preaching of the Franciscan friars who were there. And of course they're mm. preaching on the word. And it was, it was just so revealing. It, it opened my eyes to this other world that we really are. That is the most essential world that we're part of mm. which is, you know, the world of the divine um, where we, we touch heaven and God is with us and the communion of saints so that's where it started. That's the seed, I think, that was planted. And you just teaching in a way that I had never, ever experienced in all my years of Catholic education even. And so it was not uh, really until years later when I, I came back to the United States and was living in New Orleans and became involved in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal and began seeing people going to prayer meetings, you know, carrying their Bibles every Wednesday night and opening up the Word and breaking open the Word and teaching with authority as lay people mm. um, about the Word of God and how active it is in our lives now that it is not a it's not a historic tome it is living and effective mm-hmm. and that was very transformative for me so it took that marian aspect and then the charismatic aspect together um to to really like form the the young adult christine at that time so did you you see people carrying their bibles people are teaching holding their bibles open did you then start to read it on your own oh yeah absolutely it's not here. It's not at home. It's actually at my office. But I, I found a copy of the New American Bible published in 1970 uh, that was just the right size. And mm-hmm. I just I fell in love with it. And I, it's, it's still marked up with all my notes and highlights and, you know, moments in, in you know, prayer meetings, Father Harold Cohen preaching or, you know, Father Reniero Cantola Mesa visiting or, oh, wow. you know, Father Benedict Michelle. I mean, like, these greats that were such a part of the renewal, um, you know, in the 90s and getting to sit under that teaching, you know, Patty Mansfield, wonderful people. I mean, I could go on and on just listening to them teach and and taking those notes and then opening up the book on my own and and just reliving that those teachings and then taking mm. them into my life. 
So did you start any kind of formal study or just reading it on your own? Any kind of particular habit? At that time, certainly no real formal study. It was, you know, we had a pretty great community of young adults that began coming together and uh, we would pray together and, and read scripture together and bounce ideas off of each other. And um, we were really growing spiritually by leaps and bounds together, you know, as we entered the word and entered the sacramental life of the church side by side. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, it was just a very powerful time. So it wasn't until um, I went back to work on my master's degree that I began doing any form, what I would consider formal study. Mm -hmm. And is there a, a time that you remember when something that you read just really grabbed you and touched your heart where you were living at that time um, that made a difference? My first experience with that is probably the, the most memorable. And that would have been when I was actually living in Medjugorje. Um, I remember in the reading for the day, it was Paul's exhortation to pray without ceasing hmm. for Thessalonians. And I mean, I was 19 years old at the time, and I really took that to heart. And I couldn't imagine what does that mean? What does that really mean? And a wonderful woman that used to lead pilgrimages came and, you know, I asked her, what do you think? What does this mean? You know, you've, you've been at this for a while. What does this mean? How do I do this? I don't want to not do this. This is what I must do, you know? And uh, I remember she introduced me to a book called The Way of the Pilgrim, mm-hmm. uh, which talks about that particular scripture and the, the prayer of Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner, which, you know, is prayed repeatedly. And so that was really my first moment with the scripture and and feeling kind of the weight of figuring out how to live it. It was at that time. So you've said to me um, before that you love the way scripture helps us to know the story of our relationship with our God and who we are and, uh, you know, our identity. What our, what our true identity is. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? You know, I think there's so, I owe so much to the renewal and the way that they really held the scripture in honor Hmm. and revered it and spoke it with power and opening up the word and the I am statements of God or the statements where, where God is describing who he is, what his action is, what his love is, his call for mercy, and um, you know his desire for our hearts—all of those things that make up God sharing Himself with us. That that transparency, that passionate transparency of God, where you know it's the lover opening himself up to the beloved, and. Knowing who God is, and of course, it, it is such a great mystery. I mean, to say that as if like, like I really know, you know, I'm like, no, St. <laughs> Augustine or, or Aquinas. I mean, but to as much as we're able to know that God is our father, that God, he does truly love us, that we exist because he loves us. Mm. And that puts into my heart and my mind an understanding of who I am. Hmm. You know, I am not God. I am not in charge of all these things, but I am with all of my flaws, uh, for better or worse, beloved by him. I am his daughter. 
so it's it's that awareness, you know, breaking into the word, having the word shared and really listening to it and believing it. You know, that gift of faith, just believing that this is God talking to us, speaking to us for all time. Um that it it doesn't change that, you know, it was it was the word for Catherine of Siena and Francis of Assisi and Martha and Mary. And it is the word for Sarah and Christine. Mm -hmm. That's God's communication with us. And it anchors me. It anchors, it anchors anyone who will cleave to him and to his word. And it's the word. I like the way you said that. It's the word for Mary and Martha. It's the word for Sarah and Christine, but it's the word for those teenagers who you're talking to, you know, whether they are part of the in crowd or whether they're part of the, you know, studious or the, you know, the left out loners, which is what I was in high school. There is such an incredible search for identity, especially today, that seems to be really heightened. How do you bring that home to teenagers? And how do you, what part does scripture play in that in the, with the young people that you work with? You bring it really patiently, which is not necessarily a natural gift of my own, but in little bits, hmm. bit by bit. My tendency and the tendency of so many of us is to, you know, blast people with a fire hose of the mm -hmm. things that we're passionate about. And of course, you know, in this setting, we can be like really excited about this and we're sharing this truth. But, um, you know, sometimes with my teens, I have to like gently walk with them until they're ready for a little more, you know. But as our prayer process at St. Joseph High School, you know, we we introduce scripture every day, even if it's just a verse of scripture, because we believe as a pastoral team, um, you know, myself and the deacons that participate in pastoral ministry at the school and our chaplains, that, you know, it is the word that will heal. And together with the sacraments and their opportunity to you know, be in the presence of our Eucharistic Lord, but we want to bring them the word. The word mm -hmm. is powerful. The word has that power to heal and to shape their minds and their hearts. And so for some, they, they hear it and, and of course it bears fruit. And for some there's rejection of it, but our, our job, our role, our call is to be faithful in, in presenting that you know, and, and trying to do it in a way that of course is able to be responded to. Um, one way that we do it, we have obviously daily prayer. We have mass, uh, several times a week in the mornings that are available to students. Um, we have a really vibrant RCIA program at our high school hmm. conversions and kids coming to be baptized and in your high school. Yeah. At our high school. Interesting. Yeah. So that is a call that we have from our Bishop, uh, because for many of our, our youth, the school is their parish. Obviously our goal is to funnel them out into a parish, but mm -hmm. it's where they are. And the Bishop wants us to meet them where they are and then obviously bring them into a, a, a relationship with a parish. But we have, you know, all these wonderful opportunities when we do our penance services in Advent and Lent, it's, you know, populated with the word. Um, and we also do a passion play during Lent um, that brings the word to life. 
And so, um, you know, we have many different ways that we do it. You know, sometimes, you know, you forget like, oh, wait, this is actually part of this process because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like things, we're doing things or events and, yeah. and projects and so on, but it's, it's all part of the same mission of proclamation. Well, when you said, you know, some, uh, some of the kids receive it with joy and others, you know, don't, it reminded me of that parable of the sower. Mm-hmm. And it always encourages me that the sower goes out to sow and he just sows you know, the seed is landing everywhere, but he's making sure it gets out there. And so uh, sometimes we think that it's all on us, how they're going to receive it. And we forget the work of the Holy Spirit, but he wants us to spread the seed. Mm -hmm. And then you never know when that seed is going to take root. Right. I was just trying to think when I was a teenager, the time the word really grabbed me for the first time, even though I had been reading it my whole life, I was raised with scripture. Um, But when my uh, life in high school took a really kind of downward spiral because of some choices that I had made, and one night I was kind of in despair, and I told God I'd give him a chance if he would change me. (laughs) But he literally... Not not literally in terms of hearing a word, but the little bit of scripture that I read that night just went like a dagger into my heart. And it was like, this is for you. This is God speaking to you. And it was painful, but it was also, God loves me enough to tell me that. So I guess that's what we pray for these kids, isn't it? It is. I mean, I've had experiences of that same type. I mean, I, I refer to it as crying uncle, you know, like, okay. I'm done. I can't do yeah. it. You know, it's it's yours, Lord. My conversion happened at 19, and and that's because I'd already hit rock bottom at 19. Mm-hmm. And of course, growing up, you know, right outside New Orleans, you can imagine some of the things I gotten myself into. You know, I mean, New Orleans is a colorful city and known for that for a reason. And all that temptation is is right there, easy to access. And so, you know, by the time I really realized that. I needed a radical change in my life that I did something very similar to you. And I just said to God, you can do anything, anything, just take over, just take mm. over, whatever it takes. And of course he did, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, like the phone call comes in like, Hey, I want to help Christine with this or, you know, his providence is so perfect and he never stops loving us and just He's right there waiting for us to turn right back to him. I'm wondering if there's an example you can share from your school, if you're not betraying a confidence, um, of a a young person who you've actually seen transformed by the word. It's interesting. I had an experience this year. One of the students at the high school, I would say I've walked with kids through reception of the sacraments over the years. I, I can't tell you how many. No idea. But I would say that this young person took it probably more seriously than anyone I've ever encountered, Hmm. adult or child. And she was a student in a public school, had never been baptized. And somehow prior to coming to St. Joe, the Lord really was, was working on her. And she asked her family to send her to Catholic school because she wanted to go to a Catholic environment. And so one of the very first things she did was to come to my office and say that she wanted to be baptized. And so I worked with her um, through the course of the school year. And um, that's probably a wrong way to say it. The Lord worked with her and I got to watch. Hmm. One of the things that I did was have them do kind of a Lectio Divina process. And 
to observe the way the Lord was working in her through her experience of the scriptures. I mean, I'm getting choked up. I mean, (laughs) when I tell you it was magnificent to see, it was, it was what, it was like watching the making of a saint. Hmm. What changed or what, what happened? She came ready. I think, I think the Lord was working on her before she came to us, but that encounter with a sacramental environment and um, our theology classes, she was open and the Lord just exploded into just every fiber of this girl. Um, it was it was really beautiful to watch. Do you think her friends could see it? Yes, without a doubt. How, how did it show? You know, it's funny because we're reading right now in, in the mass, the radiance of Moses after he's been with the Lord, right? Like she's radiant. Hmm. She's radiant. She's not dour. She's an athlete. She dresses really hip. Like she doesn't look like she's ready to sign up for the convent. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't look different. She looks like a teenage girl. Um, but there's something truly resplendent in her Hmm. and everybody loves her. Everybody. She'll be a senior this year and I have no doubt she'll be like on homecoming court or something, you know, because even though, even though this is a child who is taking, I shouldn't say child, but a young woman who's taking her faith so seriously, she's authentically who she is. Mm -hmm. This is how God has made her and her experience of the faith has only enhanced what was already naturally there. Hmm. You know, the most beautiful parts. Yeah, she's resplendent. It's amazing. I love that, that it almost, um, I mean, God created each of us to be so different. And as we become more and more like him, we also become more and more like ourselves, like that beautiful person that he created. We don't become, you know, cookie cutter, which is sometimes what we think. You know, we think we want to be like all the other Christians that we see on Instagram or in our parish or a school or whatever. But um, God has made each of us unique and individual and beautiful. So that's lovely to hear. So say somebody comes to you and they want to read more scripture at home, they want to start a habit. Do you have particular advice that you would give to them? Well, we usually give them a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good place to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's great. I have that in the budget. That's something that we do at the school, you know, and we have Bibles in the back of our chapel for people to use whenever they come in. Um, but we we certainly invite them to come in and ask questions. And, you know, we also, of course, have theology classes. And, you know, there's different periods where they are, they are studying scripture um, rather intensively. And so I'm fortunate in that I'm not the only one, right? So I don't have to do every particular ministry myself that there are there are resources within our department that you know can really speak to you know different students needs mm-hmm. um you know obviously like i'm i'm like the funnel <laughs> you know for a lot of it but you know sometimes we'll just sit together and break open the word but we have teachers who are leading bible studies during their free period 
mm-hmm. um, with students and, and things of that sort. So we have, we have resources um, sort of built into the structure because of the really fantastic theology department and community that we have between theology and pastoral ministry. And what about with your kids? You said you have four children. How old are they? I do. I have four children. So um, my oldest is married and we have a grandchild from her. Uh-huh. Congratulations. Thank you. It's the best. Then we have three boys. So we have one one girl. She lives away. Um, and now I live in the frat house with <laughs> all the boys. So we have three sons, 21, 16, and 11. With our kids, the older two, we you know they were always involved in youth groups and youth ministries and Bible studies and, you know, just taking these things seriously. And of course, you know, we discuss this, this is kind of like our thing. This is the way we talk about life. And, um, my husband's a theologian. So, you know, we, here we go. Yeah. I mean, we're just like, it's just, it's who we are. It's how we talk, you know, um, it, it's all very normal for us. So, you know, certainly it's part of our, our, I mean, I would say daily conversation um, mm-hmm. in our home. And so that's certainly something, but but doing the Lectio, like versions of Lectio Divina in some way or another age appropriate, um, you know, listening to the readings on our way to mass on Sunday, or if I've listened to something like, you know, I love Bishop Barron um, and, you know, I always listen to his homilies. And so I might talk about, his homily before we're we're going to church or we'll even listen to it together. So, you know, we do, we do all sorts of things. It just depends. We're very organic. You know, what does it feel like for, you know, on a given day, what feels appropriate or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, a couple of times you've mentioned Lexio Divina and how do you do that with other people, particularly with kids or young people? I have a source, a resource that I just love. The Dominican sisters, have a uh, publishing house called Lumen Ecclesia, and um, they produce actually Lectio Divina books, booklets for kids. And so hmm. um, those are some of the resources that I've used with my students and with my own children because it's something I can hand them right, so that they can do this on their own and learn to pray in that way without somebody looking over their shoulder. So that's an, like an individual Lexio Divina. They are reading scripture until it becomes prayer and a conversation with God. Right. So you're not doing that in a group with them. We do. In our RCIA groups, we do that at the high school. Um, mm-hmm. so we are doing that sort of thing together. Um, but those books, they get to keep and they take home and they work on them on their own so that they're having that lived experience of it on a regular basis as opposed to just when we have class. Because we want them to learn to do that on their own. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I'm afterward. I will get the a link from you so that I can tell people about that. Yeah, it, it is. It's fantastic resource. It's really good. Yeah, and I think that once once somebody, at least in my limited experience with myself, you know, once you actually hear the Lord speak to you in Scripture, it's addicting mm-hmm. because. I mean, who doesn't want to hear from God? And he has just this beautiful way of talking to us through his written word. Um, He has other ways of talking to us as well, of course, but it's a wonderful, wonderful way of hearing the Lord speak to us. Is there a a part of scripture that you really have been diving into lately that, that you're really getting a lot out of that you would like to share? You know, people often ask, like, do you have a favorite scripture? (laughs) Well, no. I mean, like the whole thing. Is it the whole thing? Because that would be that would be 
mostly it. Yeah. <laughs> but 43 has, Isaiah 43 has really been resonating with me. Um, just this question of who am I, who is God? And, you know, how do I respond to him? Mm. I have a, a friend of mine from down in Louisiana. She's also a public speaker, uh, Becky Eldridge. And uh, she she and Stephanie Cluat Davis gave a retreat years ago. And I remember the phrase they kept repeating throughout the retreat was, who I am in the eyes of God is who I am. Mm. Who I am in the eyes of God is who I am. I feel like if we all knew that and believed it, we would be in such great shape. <laughs> the whole world would be just perfect. But Isaiah 43 for me right now has has really been sort of repeating that in a sense. So I've been taking my Bible with me and reading that again and again and kind of taking notes on it. So I'm happy to share some of that if you want. Perhaps um, begin by just reading part of it, you know, maybe not a huge section, but enough for people to get the idea because they may not be familiar with what Isaiah 43 is. So it says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Wow. That is powerful. There is so much in there. So what can you share with us some of the thoughts, some of the fruit of your reflection since you've been thinking about this? You know, it's interesting because throughout, I mean, it's it's many, many verses. It's a long reading. And there are seven times in the course of it that God makes a declarative statement about himself, of hmm. who he is, that he is God. <laughs> and he really wants us to know it. Seven times. It's a long, a lot of times to say the same thing. And of course, as parents, we know we repeat ourselves. Quite I'm a your lot. mom. <laughs> you know, don't forget it. The things that have stood out for me um, are phrases, you know, within this whole scripture. And I have called you by name. First of all, I have called you. I have called you. Like we're all called. Each one of us is called. Um, and you know, to add those two words by name, names right now are, are such a controversial thing. Um, you know, kids wanting to change their names to, you know, the, a name for the opposite sex or gender neutral, you know, but those names that were given, that we're baptized with, like that's, that's powerful. It's who we are, isn't it? Who we are. You know, and especially when we bear the name of a saint, it's not just our name, it's a name that places us in a very special relationship with the the person that whose name we carry. Mm-hmm. you know, um you know, the confirmation saints that we choose, right? like th- like that's that's so special. You know, and I say that as a person who, you know, I mean, I think Christine's a beautiful name. Like I don't think a lot of people complain about the name Christine. Now there are kids who, you know, might, have other names that they didn't like, but I never had a problem with that. You know, so the idea of God calling me by my name is beautiful. 
And of course, he says then, you are precious in my eyes. Wow. I mean, I'm precious. I'm precious to God. You're precious to God. Um, He says, I love you. You are mine. And he says, I am the Lord, your God. And he doesn't want us to be afraid. For me, anytime I read about fear related to water, it's very personal because, of course, our family was impacted by Hurricane Katrina Mm. and were displaced uh, because of it. Our house flooded. We certainly did not experience the kind of devastation many people did. We ended up fine because of insurance and so on, but it was a devastating experience to go through. Um, And then years later, as uh, the director of the Abbey Youth Festival down in Louisiana, we experienced a hundred year flood Mm. and had to cancel our event. And our Abbey was, was flooded. You know, the majority of the buildings flooded. And so thunderstorms and rain and water are really powerful symbols for me of ways that we can, we can suffer. Hmm. That sometimes as beautiful as water can be, it also can bring great suffering. And so to have Jesus saying, you know, you will pass through the waters, but he's with us. You know, he's with me. They will not overwhelm you. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it feels like they do sometimes, but you know, it becomes very baptismal, right? We have to go down in the water and come back up made new. And so, um, you know, he declares these great things to us. And one of the other things that he says in this particular scripture is that he's doing a new thing. Mm, What verse is that? Uh, So that's Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Mm. The idea of, um, you know, the new day, you know, every day we wake up and we start afresh, we start new, we go to confession and we start new. Um, You know, he's constantly inviting us to allow him to do the new thing in us and to participate in the new thing. That verse where it says, you know, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. You know, you talk about the the flooding after Hurricane Katrina, and I think of all the wildfires that there have been lately that have just devastated so much. And yet, you probably remember the next year how the, the new th- new life sprang forth from the earth that had been covered with mud and muck and debris and everything, or when the fire clears away the forest and then these new seeds come up. And God really specializes in bringing life out of these devastating situations. And sometimes the old has to be washed away before the new can come. So that brings us a lot of hope, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I'm a huge fan of um, C.S. Lewis and the Narnia stories. I love the story of Eustace when he is turned into a dragon, um, and you know through his own selfishness and greed, of course, you know, mm-hmm. and when he realizes he doesn't want to be a dragon anymore, he cannot save himself, and it takes Aslan with his claws scratching away at the scales to help him be released from his 
dragon shell in a sense. And I am so used to the Lord has to sometimes just really strip away. But that's the new thing. I mean, and it doesn't stop. It, I mean, I will be 80 years old, God willing, or 100 years old, God willing, just like I am at 53. And the Lord will continue to be doing a new thing, and I will continue to be learning, and I will still feel like a little child learning and not really knowing what I'm doing, right? Because I'm I'm just his child, and it's his work, and I'm just trying to participate in it. <laughs> but he's calling you by name, calling you into being who he created you to be. Well, thank you for sharing that. And um, as we as we close here, I would like to read again uh, those first few verses of Isaiah 43 and ask those who are listening to just close your eyes and hear this said to you. Hear this said to you. Maybe when I say, Jacob and Israel, substitute your name and hear it spoken to you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, O Christine, O Sarah, O Mary, or Jethro, you know, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we will continue to grow in the knowledge of your love for us as we read your word. Thank you for the life and the strength that it brings. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder all that you say to us in Scripture. Give us the grace we need to love and live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. And Mary, Mother of the Word, pray for us. Well, thank you, Christine. I have really enjoyed speaking with you today. Thank you for sharing your heart for the word. Thank you. So is there anything you'd like to add? Pray for us. Pray for St. Joseph High School, please. Pray for um, this year. Our theme is is Build Family, our official theme. Mm. Uh, but from a pastoral standpoint, our theme is conversion because we all need it. And so I ask for your prayers um, for us and you know for all young people because it's it's not an easy cultural environment to to be a young person in right now and to be a faithful Christian. So um, they need a great deal of protection and support. Amen. Well, thank you for what you're doing, and I will put those links in uh, in your bio here on the website. This is Sarah Chris Meyer with the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I want to give a special thanks to our now more than 1,000 followers on Instagram. I am so grateful for every one of you in this community of women who love God's Word and want to live it. So, to celebrate you, it is giveaway time. Just in time for your fall Bible study groups, we will be giving away a free copy of the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible, 
a copy of the beautiful hardcover Living the Word Companion Journal, and a few other fun freebies from some of your favorite Catholic shops. For full details and restrictions, please visit our Instagram page, at Living the Word Bible. And please tell your friends. The giveaway opens August 30th and runs through September 13th. Until next week, God bless you as you read His Word.